Well, today we are wrapping up a series that we have been in since the beginning of the year titled Better, but you already knew that because you can put one and two together anyway, uh, which means that if this is your first time joining us, checking things out here at Grumla Online, or perhaps you've just been taking a little bit of a hiatus from church for whatever reason, you need to go cut yourself up at grumlaw.com slash messages uh, or find us under Grumlaw Church wherever it is that you snag those podcasts. And I promise I'm not just saying this to make a point, uh, but I would actually say that this has been the most important important series that we have ever done as a church. So seriously, I'm not just saying this, go back and listen to every week of the series if you have not been here for every single week. It's pretty much guaranteed that at some point during this week, you're going to spend like 30 plus minutes in your car. You might as well go and listen to these messages as opposed to listen to that Adele record on repeat even though she does have a pretty heavenly voice. Anyway, in this series, we've been taking a deep dive into the Holy Spirit. As a reminder, one of the three members of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all three fully God while being three distinct persons. Again, if that's ever been confusing to you, go back and listen to part one. We explain the Trinity in more detail. And we're doing this because, admittedly, even among Christian circles, that the Holy Spirit tends to be kind of this like forgotten God. We give plenty of attention to God the Father and obviously, certainly Jesus, but, but the Holy Spirit is often strangely omitted. We've gotten into a lot of dialogue as to maybe why that's the case throughout the series, but the reality is that there's a tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit among followers of Jesus, particularly in first world countries like America. And that's especially interesting because Jesus himself in some of his final words to those early followers, right before he's about to leave this earth, and this is really kind of the jumping off point for the entire series, he looks right at him and he says, I'm telling you the truth. This is no exaggeration. It's better for you that I go away, that I leave this earth, because if I do not go, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. You read that right. Jesus is trying to convince the very people that he has just spent three and a half years with face-to-face that that it's going to be better for them that he leaves this earth. It it would have sounded absolutely preposterous, but but here's why Jesus said these words, And, and he wasn't exaggerating even a little. Jesus, just like you and I, could only be in one place at one time, which meant that his influence was going to be relatively limited. And the biggest problem with that lies in the fact that God became flesh, Jesus. He died for our sins and then rose from the grave so that everyone, including you, might have the opportunity to get that right standing back with God. See, this wasn't a message for just some people, but for all people. And if this message was going to reach quite literally everyone, then the Holy Spirit had, had to be sent. One place at one time, well, those restrictions don't apply to God in spirit, to the Holy Spirit. Now, as a follower of Jesus, everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit, God himself now goes with you, goes before you. It's undeniably better. So in this series, we've talked about the Holy Spirit's personhood, that he is indeed a person with a mind, a will, and emotions. We've talked about his character and who he is. We spent some time talking about an oft misunderstood day called Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was quite literally poured out on the Christian church at large and in turn that power, that the power of God himself was now available to all of them. And then last week we spent some time talking about the fact that scripture very clearly teaches us that there are three different baptisms. Baptism into the body of Christ, water baptism, and baptized in the Holy Spirit. That that same power that was available to those first century followers is very much available to the follower of Jesus today when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Again, if any of that sounds confusing, maybe even strange, weird, please make sure you go back and you listen. I I promise you it's so much more important than likely any of you realize. Uh, In fact, in that vein, I want to challenge every single person who's watching right now. Uh, This isn't just like a six-week series that we're diving into and talking about the Holy Spirit, and then he just kind of vanishes. This is something we want to constantly be part of our dialogue, constantly be a part of our lives. The Holy Spirit, again, he is the one who is tasked with speaking to us, working through us here at this point in history. And and so in that, throughout the month of February, uh, throughout the rest of the month, we want to invite you to text GL Challenge to 94,000 right now. and every single morning, you'll receive a prompt to just engage with the Holy Spirit, much like what we've been doing at the end of these services when we kind of have those guided prayer times. We want to keep this conversation going. Hopefully that by the end of the month, if you do this every single day, th- this will just be a part of your natural rhythm, engaging with, listening, talking to, listening for the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, do that right now. Again, text GL Challenge to 94000 uh, if you would like to participate in that. Uh, But today, as we kind of tie a bow here on this series, we're going to be specifically talking about gifts. And and who doesn't love gifts? My my guess is that every single one of us, we're all fans of gifts, both giving as well as receiving. Generally speaking, though, as you get older, as you mature, you you actually find more joy in giving than receiving gifts. In fact, this last week uh, was a great example of that. Uh, Just a couple of days ago on Friday, my wife celebrated her 35th birthday. I know you're not supposed to, like, tell how old women are. I never really understood that. Everybody's getting older. No big deal here. But anyway, uh, her her birthday was on Friday. The Saturday before, so six days before, I I received her present that I was going to give her in the mail from me as well as my three kids, even though my three kids, to make this very clear, had nothing to do with it. It was all on me. They don't have money. They didn't even think of it. It's unbelievable. It's a six, a four-year-old, two-year-old. They're so selfish. Anyway, so I get the gift in the mail. It's, it's a new pair of boots for her, a new pair of muck boots. She'd been wanting these new winter boots, and I found the best deal possible. I get them in the mail, uh, and if I'm honest, I was so excited to give these to my wife that I immediately went in the basement. I wrapped these suckers up, and then I placed them on the fireplace, And I did this, if I'm being honest now, like pretty intentionally, knowing that my kids weren't going to be able to handle it and we're going to insist on my wife opening up the gift. And so, you know, she walks out of the room and all three kids are out there like, mommy, you got to open up the present. And she's like, but my my, my birthday isn't for like another six days. Why would I open it now? I'm like, well, the kids, you know, they really want you to open the gift now. So you might as well do that now, really only because I couldn't handle it. I wanted her to open the present now. And so there she was six days before her actually birthday, opening up the present, was super excited about, super practical. She's like, oh my gosh, these are exactly the boots that I've been wanting. Again, all because I just wanted to give her a gift. I mean, gifts are the best. And isn't it interesting that no matter who you are, no matter what your background looks like, no matter your age, we we all find commonality in, in that when a friend, when a family member, when a coworker, when somebody you care about gives you a gift, you receive it with joy. That there's never been a time in my life where somebody has presented me with a gift and I immediately kind of like swat it out of their hands and say, get that junk out of here. No, no, you receive it with joy and and happiness, and in many cases, humility. You can't believe they even thought of you. So let me ask you a question. If God had a gift for you, would you accept it? If the God of the universe, your creator, had a gift for you, would you receive it? I have a hunch that even if you're new to all this, even if you're just kind of starting to explore, I'm pretty sure every single one of us would answer this question with a resounding yes. And I recognize I kind of baited you into that, but man, do I have some good news for you this morning. God's about to come rolling out in front of this camera right now, Oprah style, you get a car and you get a car. No, I'm just kidding, kind of. As we began to touch on last week, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, upon entering into relationship with the Holy Spirit, 
God actually promises us that there are many gifts available to us, gifts that he longs to give you. And I guarantee you this, that they're far better gifts than a new pair of boots, though muck does make a dang fine piece of footwear. Now, now I want to back this thing up just a little bit, but before we specifically dive into the gifts that the Holy Spirit longs to give us, let's recognize and call attention to the fact that God is a giver. God is a giver. Or I could say it another way. He has always been in the gift-giving business. The, the, the most beautiful display of this, of course, comes in the form of his one and his only son, Jesus, wh- whom he freely gave for, for you, for me. D- Jesus would have died for you if it was just you. I mean, I mean, think about this transaction that occurred there. God gave his son for your sin. That's how much he wants a relationship with you, to be close to you. He went to enormous lengths to prove that to every single one of us. Additionally, as we've been exploring in depth throughout this series, he gave us, obviously, the Holy Spirit. It can't be overstated what a gift the Holy Spirit is for the follower of Jesus. As we've been driving home throughout the series, you cannot do and accomplish all that God wants to do with your life without the indwelling, without the constant presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus is an incredible gift whom is necessary for our salvation, but the Holy Spirit is the one who allows us to experience true victory, peace, joy, contentment right here in this life. I'm so thankful for the gift who is the Holy Spirit. My point's this. It shouldn't surprise us that God now continues with this gift-giving theme when it comes to specifically the Holy Spirit. It's who God is. He's a giver. It's who he's always shown himself to be and who he will always be. So this morning, we're going to explore these gifts that the Holy Spirit offers to every single one of us. These gifts that the Holy Spirit longs to give to us. Now, it's worth noting there are other gifts in Scripture as well. Again, God is a giver. But this morning, we're going to be specifically focusing on gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit, or more simply put, uh, spiritual gifts. Now, I want to make this very, very clear. Uh, we're only going to scratch the surface with this stuff this morning. In fact, if I'm being totally vulnerable with all of you, after writing this message, I was very much wishing we would have made this series one week longer so we could divide it in this last section here into two parts. But anyway, you'll have to bear with me. But that's kind of the case for this entire series. We're, we're kind of scratching just the surface of the Holy Spirit. And, and I want to invite you to further explore this topic, further explore the Holy Spirit on your own. There's a book that we've been mentioning here throughout the series called The God I Never Knew. I would challenge you, I would invite you to actually grab a copy of that thing. You can get a copy of it wherever books are sold. We had them available in the lobby, and I think we pretty much sold out of those things. But grab this book. Continue to explore the Holy Spirit. Again, don't allow this to just be a six-week series. This book, I'm telling you, has challenged and taught me uh, so much as well. But to kind of kick off our conversation this morning and to tie a bow here on this series, we're going to take a look into Paul's early letter to the Christian church in Corinth. And right there he writes to us, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the gifts the Spirit gives us, he's specifically addressing, hey, regarding your questions about the spiritual gifts, I don't want you to misunderstand this, which would lead us to believe that there was probably some misunderstanding going on with the spiritual gifts. And so we can kind of all just... Take a deep breath and and remind ourselves that the exact same things that maybe people were struggling with 2,000 years ago, we're still wrestling with those things today. Throughout the series, in fact, many of you have sort of sheepishly approached me and almost embarrassingly admitted that this is the first time that you've ever leaned into a conversation regarding the Holy Spirit, that that you've been doing church for a long time, but yet you know little about the Holy Spirit. Don't sweat it. 
It is better late than never. And apparently, again, as we can see right here, people have long had questions specifically regarding the gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. Now, when we think about these gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit, uh, the spiritual gifts, that there are a couple of key truths that are really, really important for us to understand before we dive into those specific gifts. Number one, a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that the Holy Spirit gives in order to advance his purposes in this world. As we talked about last week, God absolutely has some work for you to do as a follower of Jesus. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive the power to stand as a witness for Christ, just as those early first century followers were called. You are called as well. And in order for you to accomplish what God has in store for your life, he has a plan for you. He absolutely wants to enable you with abilities from on high that defy human comprehension, that defy human ability. Number two, spiritual gifts are always a blessing to others. That This is precisely why Paul tells us a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. I love the simplicity of that. He just cuts through all of it. I make this point because there are absolutely instances that probably some of us can point to where people claim spiritual gifts while using that supposed gift to degrade others or draw more attention to themselves. That the Holy Spirit uses his gifts to bring glory upon himself and to bless those around us. If said spiritual gift is not a blessing to others, it's not a gift from God. It is fraudulent at best. Number three, a spiritual gift is just that, a gift. You did nothing to deserve it. You did nothing to earn it. God offers us these gifts simply because he loves us and because he is good. This is an important, important understanding. Less pride begins to creep in and we really start to think that we're something special. He is the creator. We are the creation. And to that end, we don't get to pick which gift we'd like to receive or which gift I'd like at which time. In fact, actually, it was this last Christmas. Uh, I'd been really wanting this new pair of shoes, and, and I'd been, like, literally delaying for, like, a year because I'm such a cheapskate. And so I finally was like, okay, I can spend $48. And so I ordered these shoes. They come right before Christmas, and I start wearing them around the house. I'm like a kid in the candy store. I'm so excited about my new, new shoes that I got on. And eventually, my wife notices, and she's like, oh, you got some new shoes. And I was like, no, you got me new shoes. And she's like, come again? I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is your Christmas gift to me. She's like, nope, that's not how this works. We don't get to pick the gift that we'd like to receive, or again, which gift I'd like at which time. Again, Paul tells us it is the one and only Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Like so much in our walk with Jesus, we are called to submit to his will. We're called to submit to his plan. We are called to be obedient. In this specific instance, we are called to be faithful stewards to whatever gift he decides to bestow upon us. It is up to him. Number four, you must receive the gift or gifts, plural, because he absolutely will give you more than one. Like all gifts, you have the choice to either receive it or reject it. That that, that is entirely up to you. But but, but I want to challenge this faith community to be open this morning. Perhaps like you've never opened up yourself before to to whatever gift or gifts the Holy Spirit may want to offer you moving forward. I've been so humbled by this community. What what I've seen over these last couple of weeks, how people are, are stepping into relationship with the Holy Spirit like never before. I have all the confidence in the world that we're gonna begin to step into this gifting like we never have before. Now in this particular area that the evil one has done such an incredibly effective job of casting the seed of weirdness and confusion for far too many of us. We've long rejected these gifts rather than receiving what the Holy Spirit longs to give to us. 
Throughout this series, we've seen how vital the transformative power of the Holy Spirit is for every single one of our lives. Yet this power only operates to the degree that you allow him to change you. Having these gifts available to us is not the same as making ourselves available to the Holy Spirit's gifts. I'm going to say that one more time. Having these gifts available to us is not the same as making ourselves available to the Holy Spirit's gifts. You have to yield. We have to submit. We have to receive, intentionally choose to receive these gifts. There are plenty of Christians who readily reject what the Holy Spirit is trying to offer to us. Let us be a faith community that receives, uh, understanding that God is offering us something so much better than what we're currently working with. So, so fortunately for us, uh, Paul takes all of these spiritual gifts, there's nine in total, and he contains it within just a couple of verses here, again, in that early letter to the Christian church in Corinth, which we're going to explore right now. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, nine in total, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. So even though there's nine gifts, it's obviously the Holy Spirit is the one who gives all of them. There, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. All are used to glorify and serve God. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Now, I specifically highlighted this. Because again, there seems to be the seed of misunderstanding, again, in particular among Christians, that there are certain gifts reserved for certain people. That's not the case. Every single one of these nine spiritual gifts is equally available to every follower of Jesus. God does not place certain ones up on a shelf reserved for pastors or like the spiritual elite. That's not the case. They're all available to every single one of us. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, tongues, as we're going to talk about. While another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So, so again, if you're counting, there are nine total spiritual gifts here, which we're going to break down into three categories. Isn't it wonderful that God is a God of order? He conveniently puts three gifts into each one of these three categories. Those three categories are these, the discerning gifts, the declarative gifts, and the dynamic gifts. So first, we're going to explore the discerning gifts, which you could define as gifts that allow you to discern or perceive certain truths that can help another person. Uh, the first one up is word of wisdom, which we could say is a divine answer or solution for a particular question or challenge. It's this ability to, to give wise, almost supernatural advice. We see this as a very, very common thread throughout the Gospels, those four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were some of the smartest, most intellectual people on the planet, that they would try to pin Jesus into like this theological corner and every single time he would outwit them to, to the point where they would stand back and be like, gosh, dang it, like how did he do it again? It's because he was operating within this gift, the word of wisdom. Uh, very recently, actually, in my own life, uh, somebody swung by my office in the middle of the week and, and he was asking me specific questions about prayer. Uh, and specifically, he was saying, hey, why is it important that we would maybe pray a specific prayer as opposed to a broad prayer? I mean, God already knows what we're going to pray in advance, so why would we pray specific prayers? And, and there over like a 30-minute period, we had this conversation where there were things coming out of my mouth where, I'm not kidding, in the moment I was thinking, this is really, really good. I should be writing this stuff down, completely operating in this word of wisdom. It wasn't me, it was the Holy Spirit speaking through me. 
The second one is word of knowledge. It's to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. Uh, perhaps the most famous example in, in all of history that we see of this is a story that we commonly hear referred to as the woman at the well. We, we find this in John chapter 4, where Jesus in the middle of the day is having a conversation with a woman, which at this point in history would have been an audacious thing altogether. In fact, she was there in the middle of the day as to avoid men, as to avoid interacting with anybody else. But Jesus shockingly is having a conversation with her. And near the end of the conversation, he looks at her and he says, go get your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, right you are. You have actually had five husbands, and the dude you're living with right now, you're not even married to. And her jaw drops. She's like, how could he have possibly known that? Is it because he's God? No. We talked about this last week. He emptied himself of his godhood. It's because he was operating in this specific gift. Jesus, throughout his time on earth, he demonstrated what's possible for a person fully yielded and obedient to the Holy Spirit. The third of the discerning gifts is something we call the discerning of spirits. It's to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. Now, now I recognize that for some of you, that the mere mention of a, of a demon, a demonic spirit, that can kind of freak you out. And, and, and no, to be clear, I don't believe there's a demonic spirit lurking around every corner. Like every single time your spouse is in a bad mood, you're like, oh gosh, dang it, stinking demon. No, no, that's not the case. But scripture very clearly teaches us that demons do influence people. And probably more frequently than we'd like to admit. Now, I want you to think about this very practically. If a demonic spirit was coming against you, a friend, a family member, your home, somebody you care about, wouldn't it be nice if the Holy Spirit made you aware of that as opposed to you kind of continually beating your head against a wall wondering what is going on? And the beauty of this is once we are aware of the enemy's attack, we can take authority over it by the authority of the blood of Jesus. Jesus already conquered death. He already conquered the grave. He already defeated the evil one. The demon has no choice but to flee. The next category of gifts is something we call the declarative gifts. Gifts that involve a form of declaration of divine truth or supernatural message. The first one up is one that we call prophecy. It's a message of encouragement from God through a person. Paul frames it this way. He says, one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. That's so, so important. I'm so glad that Paul writes this for us. It is always, prophecy, a message of encouragement. Not discouragement, not correction, not rebuke, not judgment. It's also important to note that throughout the New Testament, and specifically the book of Acts, we see, and rightfully so, that this gift in particular among the nine kind of elevated amongst all the others. It's among the highest and the most important of all the spiritual gifts, to the point where Paul writes us, let love be your highest goal. Now, if you're new to all this, you're just starting to explore, and you're like, what is following Jesus all about? Love God and love people. Your love for God, in fact, is demonstrated and authenticated by how well you love the people around you. But, he continues, you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. He's saying you should desire spiritual gifts, especially, he elevates it, especially the ability to prophesy. We should be seeking this gift out and asking for it more than the others. And the great news is that it's available to every single one of us. Again, it hasn't been put on the shelf reserved for a certain group of people. It is available to every single one of us. It was several, several months ago. 
Um, John and Maddie, uh, John, who is our worship pastor in Grand Blanc, and his wife Maddie, they lead uh, worship at a prayer house in Lake Orion called Living Army, which I would highly, highly recommend. They have something going on every single day of the week. You can go to livingarmy.com, incredible place that if you are looking to engage more and, and, and develop and grow your relationship with the Holy Spirit, Living Army would be a really, really great place to go. And it was a Thursday morning. Uh, John and Maddie, every single Thursday morning, they, they lead worship at this place at, at Living Army. And uh, they had invited me to go several times. Usually we're filming on Thursday mornings. And uh, on this particular Thursday, I wasn't filming. Somebody else was filming that day. Uh, my wife and my kids were actually out of town, so it worked out really well. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go. And, and I'll be honest, my mentality walking into this environment was, hey, I'm going to support John and Maddie. And, and, and I walked in that day, and it was John and Maddie up front, and, and then Cody and Brady. Cody uh, and Brady are the two gentlemen that, that lead this, this movement, Living Army. Uh, Brady's actually speaking in Grand Blank today. Cody remarks as I walk through the door, because it's literally just the four of them, and now I have entered into the equation, and he said, hey, uh, maybe this day is all for you. And I took it as him kind of being funny, saying it tongue-in-cheek, but little did I realize he was actually very serious. Now, over the course of the next like five minutes or so, two or three other people come rolling in, but it's a relatively small group of people, and we just kind of began that morning by singing and praying, and you know, we're, we're crying out to Jesus. And throughout the morning, Cody and Brady would get up in the front of the room and share things that were kind of sticking out to them, share things, words that God was specifically giving them, sharing words of prophecy. And there I was, and I will tell you, this was one of the most transformative moments, the most transformative days of my life, that I sat there, and little did I realize in the moment, uh, that I was in one of the darkest seasons of my life. We were in the thick of this merger uh, everything felt challenging. I, I would kind of brace myself every single Sunday walking through the doors of like, what is somebody going to be mad about today? I, I had very, very little joy in my life. Um, I didn't know I was going to share this. Uh, it, it was the only time in my life where I have ever thought about suicide. And I walked into that room truly at my lowest of lows. And there, the God of the universe had orchestrated an entire morning for me. And I sat there as Cody and Brady were just prophesying words over me that I was like, what in the heck? Who has been telling you these things? It became very, very clear on that morning why Paul over and over elevates this spiritual gift amongst others. I'm so thankful for the gift of prophecy. The next one up is something called tongues. It's a message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. Now, now, of all the spiritual gifts, admittedly, this is far and away the most controversial and, and the gift that undeniably the evil one has cast the most doubt and confusion upon, to, to the point that many Christians have abandoned spiritual gifts altogether because of this one, which, when you actually begin to study spiritual gifts, is absolutely insane because there really isn't anything all that weird about this gift. Now, now it's certainly worth noting that there are actually two parts to this gift, which we're going to explore both. One is the gift of tongues itself, and the other is a prayer language. Now, specifically with the gift of tongues, uh, fortunately, again, for all of us, Paul gives us very, very specific instructions. He, he says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said. More on that in a second. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Again, if it's not strengthening, if it's not encouraging, he's like, leave it at the door. Like, you don't need to do that stuff in your public worship gatherings. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. 
But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. I I love the intentionality again of what Paul is saying here. He's going, hey, listen, this has the opportunity to kind of freak people out. And so if nobody is present to interpret, be silent. Don't operate in that spiritual gift. But Paul right here lays out for us these ground rules because remember, the purpose of a spiritual gift is to be a blessing to others. If it's only scaring people, if it's only freaking people out, it's obviously not a blessing. Now, now it's also worth noting that many people, that they have this misconception. I'll, I'll be honest, I was actually one of these people at one point where I was terrified of tongues, speaking in unknown languages in particular, because I had this misconception that if you receive this spiritual gift, you're going to be this person that's just out of control, running about, like you're not able to control your own mouth. That's not the case, again, as Paul clearly points out here. You have the ability to exercise and say those words or not say those words. Also, Paul, as noted earlier, he makes an enormous point of emphasis that we should pursue prophecy over tongues 100% of the time because a prophetic word is always understood, both by the believer and that person who is new to church. We're going to come back to tongues here in just a second. I promise I'm not done with it when we take a look at interpretation. But, But the other part of this gift is a prayer language, which is given to every follower of Jesus upon being baptized in the Spirit. Your prayer language is a very personal gift given to you by God. I could say a lot more on this, but when we take advantage of our prayer language, the Holy Spirit builds us up. It is a gift to you. He gives us words to speak when we don't have the words to pray. I alluded to John earlier, again, who is our worship pastor up in Grand Blanc, and about a year and a half ago, he was walking through a deep, dark season of depression. And I'm sharing this because he's been very public in in sharing this as well. And uh, what was so scary about it is it came completely out of nowhere. Like like it just hit him and it's like, oh my goodness, it's here. And he's dealing with depression like he's never dealt with before. He's struggling with suicide left and right. I mean, it's like a very, very difficult season of his life. And while there were many people aware of what John was walking through, I'm embarrassed to admit that I wasn't thinking as much about his bride, Maddie, and what she was walking through in this season. And she later shared that it was in that season that every single time she couldn't get a hold of John, he wouldn't answer the phone. Her her, her thoughts would spiral out of control. She was wondering, am I going to go home and find my husband dead? Like, is he even going to be alive when I get there? And it was during this season that she specifically said she utilized her prayer language. Because we've all had seasons like this in our lives where we don't know what to say. We, we, we don't know what we're even supposed to ask God for. There's some cases we don't even want to talk anymore. We don't want to talk to God. And in this moment, the God the, of the universe, the Holy Spirit offers to us a, a prayer language. In Romans 8, Paul puts it this way. He says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For, for example, just one example of this. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. Again, every single one of us have been there. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Y'all, can you even imagine like, the, the kindness of this? The intentionality of this with God? That, that he knew we were going to experience things in our lives that we wouldn't have words for. We wouldn't know what to say. And so the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Throughout the series, again, we've talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. He wants to help. He wants to comfort you through your prayer language. And then we have interpretation. It's understanding and expressing the thought or the intent of the message in tongues. Now notice again that it says interpretation and not translation. 
It's not always going to be a one-for-one translation. The intent of the message is often what is being interpreted. So, So obviously this one, it ties in directly with tongues. And in public worship gatherings, much like what we experience on Sunday mornings, when tongues and interpretation are present, that they are beautiful gifts that edify God and they bless others. When tongues is being utilized in a public worship gathering, again, he makes it a point to say that this gift right here of interpretation must accompany it so that everyone may be encouraged, not confused, not weirded out, not going, what is happening right now? Again, tongues and interpretation together, beautiful, beautiful gifts from the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, we have the dynamic gifts, which are gifts that display the mighty power of God. The first one we're going to explore is, is faith, or we could call it supernatural faith. It's a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Every single one of us, we've met those people that even in the face of like incredibly trying circumstances, all the adversity of the world stacked against them, they're not, they're not scared, they're not anxious, and we're like, what is going on? It's a spiritual gift. It's faith. I've been public in sharing about the situation that we've been in right now with our third child, Oakley, whom we brought home at four months old, right before the pandemic hit. He's been in our home uh, for over two years at this point. We're still battling with custody and if he's going to be able to be a forever part of the Prisk family. And I am so thankful for this spiritual gift, the peace that God has brought about for this specific situation. And, and it's not just a gift for me to just bring me peace and for me to recognize that God's in control, but for my family, specifically my wife, Andrea, that, that on those nights when she's crying in her pillow, wondering, okay, like, what does the future hold for Oakley? For me to be able to speak words of truth over her, for, for me to be able to, to exercise and show her that faith that the Holy Spirit has so clearly given. Gifts of healing, supernatural endowments of divine health. Uh, when you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that Jesus took full advantage of this spiritual gift during his time on earth. People who had been lame for their entire life, they're suddenly walking. People who had been blind their entire lives, they can suddenly see. But, but I promise you that this gift has not just suddenly disappeared. It wasn't something just in the days of Jesus and now it's gone. I, I had a friend who uh, grew up in Africa as a, as a missionary kid, specifically in a place called Gabon. And, and I used to, when uh, we were in college together, he would share these stories of things that he saw in that country. Like literally right in front of him, entire ears growing back on people. Non-functional limbs suddenly regaining strength. And again, it's because of this spiritual gift, the gifts of healing. And, and the number nine on the list here is working of miracles. It's divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. How many of you right now watching, and I actually want you to put your hand up, have ever experienced a miracle in this life? And if you were gathering with us in person, you would see hands up all over the place. God has not stopped working miracles. In fact, every follower of Jesus who's watching right now is a living, breathing miracle. You have had divine intervention in your life through the redemptive work of Jesus that has very much altered your natural circumstances. Church, can we even imagine... (laughs) If just the followers of Jesus who call Grumlaw their church home began to operate in these spiritual gifts, can we imagine how that, how that would change this church, how that would change this community? Again, I'm not just saying this because it sounds nice. I am genuinely sensing and believing that, that we are on, on the front end of a revival within the American Christian church. This is why Jesus again said that it would be better it would be better that he would leave. 
When Jesus was on this earth, all these gifts were basically contained within one man, Jesus himself. But now, because of the Holy Spirit, every single one of these gifts are equally available to every single follower of Jesus. We've already seen this happen in the first century church. Read the book of Acts for yourself. And I promise you, he is still as available today and wants to give us these gifts. But we have to be willing to receive. God has given you a purpose in this life. And in order to fulfill it, you need the power, the peace, the presence that the Holy Spirit provides. Y'all, this is such good news. God does not expect us to carry out his purpose in our own abilities, in our own power. It's precisely why he made these gifts, his power, the Holy Spirit, available to every single one of us today.